0: People love the world,
1: it's time to quarantine. Welcome to Stuck at Home
0: with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. It's Tuesday, June 9th. Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. Uh, hey, huzzah. Welcome to a new episode, Stuck at Home, with me, Cliff Dorfman, and Jason Smith. How you doing, buddy?
1: Hey, that's me, Jason Smith, here on Stuck at Home with Cliff and Jason. <laughs>
0: hey, I like the way you
1: say it. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I nice. get excited. I take a lot of pauses. How are you? I, I, like to, I just like to talk through a smile, and if I don't talk fast, then everything ends up being paused with weird stops. Like that.
0: <laughs> like Christopher Walken. That's like yeah. your your yeah. version
1: of walking. Yeah. Do but mostly just like a big fat man breath in the middle. It's like, and here's a bit oh, the rest of my sentence. What are you saying? You're a mouth breather? I'm oh, I'm totally a mouth breather. I I um I couldn't <laughs> breathe until I was like seven years old because I had like the tonsils and the adenoids and they had to remove all that stuff. My mom was your said
0: adenoids removed?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, tonsils you adenoids. Too. Yeah. I didn't know uh, anyone else did that. I I think maybe it was a little more common back in the, back in the days. But, uh, I I remember a couple of times I didn't even know that I was having trouble breathing and my mom's like, you didn't breathe for like three minutes. And they're like, they're all worried. And so I ended up having to go to the hospital about it. And I just always
0: laughing, but that's,
1: that's, that's insane. I'm like smiling, but I'm like, Oh my God, you almost died. It was weird, but I didn't, I didn't know it was a real problem that my, I just snored like crazy. Oh yeah. All the time. So that, I mean, obviously I've got the, uh, the whole the apnea um, thing the, the apnea stuff with the weight but before that i was snoring all the time when i was a kid too so yeah it's not a weight thing this
0: is obviously a thing that's just you know because you were in great shape and you were still snoring
1: yeah just just got to breathe through my mouth sometimes so it's like oh. <laughs>
0: now <laughs> don't 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 please don't don't do that again I mean, yeah. for those of you who can't see what's happening, Jason just made a mouth breathing sound, but the shape of the mouth was so open. Why? It just honestly, I I'm repeating it. I don't know why because I feel like if I had to see it, I should describe it to you so you have to. Yeah, Good. have it in your psyche. Like, like
1: that be the next movie, Cliff Dorfman.
0: I'm thinking about it. I'll tell you, I got a big <laughs> spec script that's getting ready to go out though. I do. No, I'm serious. I got a big spec script that's getting ready to go out in like two what weeks. What
1: you need is a mouth breather. What you need is one big
0: mouth breather. All this whole script is about mouth breathers.
1: That's that's awesome. It's called that's mouth all, breather. As a matter of fact, yeah, I didn't I know, want the way. name of it. It's called mouth breather. That's a good title. <laughs> Not for this, but for something. For something.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, do you ever see the uh, cannibalistic underground uh, humanoid oh, underground oh, dwellers? Yeah. Like what that chud? Yeah. 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 That's a good title. <laughs> Like, yeah. I still never, I never forgot that from, like, childhood.
1: No, that's one of the Our, best things ever.
0: Chud. Those, they're like uh, rats, basically, but they're half human, half yeah. rats. Uh, Sewing, sewage dwellers, right? And yeah,
1: not to be confused with ghoulies that lived in your toilet, which were the slimy monsters, or critters, which were really cute uh, monster versions of Sonic Pedgehog.
0: Or uh, what about the alligators? Oh,
1: right. The alligators, too.
0: <laughs> right? The alligators that well, get flushed down the sewer, the toilet, and then they grow up in the sewers.
1: Right. The New oh, York sewer uh, myths. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, between that and clowns, like going down there must be a lot like going to like Fat Tuesday in New Orleans.
0: I mean, it's like that from the Fisher King on, the sewer dwelling society has had some myth
1: put on it. They got a good publicist. Yeah, they do. They really do. I mean, but if you count all the movies, Futurama had an entire thing about, thing about that. Demolition you know, Man. The sword you're well repped.
0: absolutely right. Well-repped. Well but you know who doesn't have a good publicist anymore? Stasi Schroeder. Oh, yeah. No, probably, <laughs> probably not this, one at all. This person,
1: huh? Holy crap. Yeah. Are so you kidding me? Also, uh, and, and, and who Stassi and Schroeder are. Um, two people well, Stassi that Stassi Schroeder is one person Stassi Schroeder sorry but there's there's a couple different people on this show that had this yes. that to them. um basically the Vanderpump rules people have spent their time just trying to uh increase racial uh I don't know just create fights within their own like little community of the the Vanderpump rules and uh and finally got called out for that and let go Just today. Stassi did. There was a a black
0: woman who was a uh, cast member. I don't watch the show because I think it's, you know, a very uh, strong sign of the end of society as we know it. So Mm -hmm. the way I feel is like the more people they fire off that show, the closer we are to getting rid of that show. So Mm -hmm. I'm good with that. But this is atrocious. Like this is like there was a black castmate. Who I guess, you know, there was some competition with this Stasi girl and another girl, who is uh-huh. obviously if you ever seen Stasi, I mean she's she's hot, but she's white. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. she's white. Like she doesn't even pronounce her name Stacy. It's no. like Stasi. With an I. And it's, it, it ends like with S-T-A-S-S-I. Like, and by yeah. the way, you can't spell Stasi without ass. So <laughs> that being said, let's talk about what she did. Aside from all the calling her hair nappy, which is like are you kidding me? You said that? Right. <laughs> on top of that, this person, there was a there was a person, they said a black woman in West Hollywood was drugging and stealing, you know, like, drugging men in bars and stealing stuff, allegedly. You right. Know, like, from these men. And Stassi decided to solve the case, is what she said. She, uh, she called the cops on or, her castmate, who's a cast black mate. woman, I mean, who never did a thing wrong in her life. Uh, by the way, Stassi, you're in the middle of one of the biggest shows in America. You don't think the whole production crew would be on top of it if they thought she was doing it?
1: Exactly.
0: I mean, that is that is that is absolutely an example of systematic racism.
1: Oh, it's 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 absolutely horrible and horrendous, and I can't believe that that she did that. It's you know, it and makes then heard inside. That, that you know, and then you go back and you look at the show, and it was Stassi and another person that did this, Kristen. Duwate, D-O-U-T-E. That, I don't know okay. how to pronounce it. That's
0: okay. No one will ever know how to pronounce it, or most people won't say it after next week's news cycle. And then, and then on top of that,
1: there's there's other examples. There were two other people from the same show that were fired a couple of years ago for, mm-hmm. again, racist stuff. Like this is not a this is not a show or a yeah, restaurant Max. for POC. Is that what it is? Max was fired as something. Yes. Something like that. Yeah,
0: I I, I really am. I mean, I'm not I don't care about current events, but this sickens me. I mean, the show originally sickened me. I never understood why we were watching these people in the first place, to be quite honest. And the only time I ever got subjected to it was the last time I had a girlfriend. And now that I don't have a girlfriend, I haven't had to watch that show at all. Mm. But it it seems to me, first of all, they have like no black castmates except for this one woman who they decide to try and pin a crime. What I will say just torture. I know. I'm raising my voice a little, which I don't like to do. So what I will say is that uh, in the one rare time the police did something, uh, you know, they did something well. They knew immediately that it wasn't her. They were
1: like, it's not her. This is ridiculous. Right. Thank God. At, at least that, that happened. Yeah. At no, least. it's, it's well, that's what I'm saying.
0: Well,
1: and this happened a while ago. It's not like this was just yesterday that this happened. This is this something that happened. They finally fucking put their foot down. Pardon my language. What took them so long?
0: Uh, you know, what took the company and the and the network so long,
1: like Bravo, to do that? I mean, I mean, I, I think it's a lot of that same stuff. It's a lot of hand and head and you know, kind of head in the sand kind of behavior.
0: Right. So so now Black Lives Matter and uh, Mr. Floyd and everything that's happened. Now people are going, okay, uh, we have to scramble and make sure that because that's going to come out. So we have to fire them now.
1: Right. Exactly. It's going to you know. It's well. It's kind of like uh, what happened with uh, on Glee, uh, right? Where that one, uh, yes, the, the uh, Broadway, Michelle, uh, yeah, who uh was put out a Black Lives Matter post, and then her co workers kind of called her out. I was like, Yeah, you say that now, but look how you treated us for the last, you know, the entirety of that, that show,
0: right? And then the whole thing with her and Maria and West Side Story and the appropriation and all that, you know, which again, yep. West Side Story. And then we talk about art. Go ahead, Jason, look okay. I like you
1: say something. Oh, I'm oh, I, I think that I, I didn't mean to look like I was saying anything yeah it. i think my connection may suck but no it's mine it's my my computer it's it's a it's a nice it's a it's a nice cool like 95 today over here oh, okay. so it's uh, good yeah, yeah that's what's on my side
0: um but there was something we were just oh yeah uh, the the whole thing we talk about art and then you know that's how does these how do these social issues come into art with west side story it's been ongoing forever natalie wood playing maria This is something that, you know, we've seen. But now, you know, the other thing comes out where she's mistreating black castmates. And then, you know, but but it really speaks to, again, the larger idea of a corrupt system or whatever the system is, because why Bravo or Vanderpump didn't fire these people immediately and why Metro PR didn't drop this woman immediately. That's surprising, but not. Is she she with Metro? Yeah. No, not anymore. That's who dropped her and UTA dropped her.
1: Oh yeah, Metro was my my PR agency. I'll have to, i give them a, a good call, <laughs> talking to. Yeah, they seem like
0: they seem good, but they seem like they dropped her too late. Like it should, right when this happened, they should have dropped her.
1: Absolutely. You know, Absolutely.
0: Like, you know, and all her, you know, on the upside, all her, um, what do you call it? Her her uh, sponsors. They dropped her too. Thank good. God. Good. good. Uh, wait, Thank so, goodness. Yeah, she got hers, but not enough. Look how much she's gained. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she should really have to do. Uh... Wait, what'd you say? I didn't say anything. See, that's what I'm saying. I think there's a delay, so it looks like you're talking sometimes,
1: and I'm like, oh, I'm talking over. It's him. on. It's on me. It's it's my computer running a little hot today.
0: Okay, so I want to get back to this because there's more to talk about with this because I'm also I'm kind of blown away by it, <sighs> but not. And right. I want to talk about
1: Dirty John. So should we talk about Dirty John after? Our yes. lovely guest. We'll talk, we'll talk, let's talk about it after this. Uh, yeah, I like that. I, I want to bring Matt on because I want I, I want to get into it a little bit um, and I don't think five minutes is enough. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's bring Matt on and do some talking. Okay, so our next guest, I, there's so many
0: words that describe this guy. He's a musician. He's a host. He's a an adventurer. He is a southern gentleman. If you didn't know that was a thing, you have to look at his earlier work. He's a musician. What did I say? He's a pilot already? And most importantly, he is a chef and an author. He's got, like, three books, A Southern Gentleman's Kitchen and The South's Best Butts. It's not, you know, it's about pork butts, which, Jason, it's right up your alley, no pun intended. Oh, yeah. And his new book, "Serial uh, Griller, he has been seen and heard and talked about in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal. This guy is just uh, an amazing person, amazing chef. Let's welcome our guest, Mr. Matt Moore. Matt hey, Moore, hey, guys. And
2: gentlemen. Thank, you for the, uh, thank you for the introduction.
0: Listen that's what I don't get paid for
2: <laughs> hey, I hear you? you right I'm good. I'm doing really well
0: yeah, you're up in uh you're in Nashville or down I should say
2: down in Nashville um today, and uh, right. happened since I guess March fifteenth and uh, actually, tomorrow we'll be heading out for the first time. I'm headed up to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, so I'm sure you feel bad for me traveling to the Grand Tetons for a few days.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was really gonna say how awful for you. I think yeah. there's a uh, Jackson Hole has this super exclusive uh, home, it's like uh, it's like Mike Meldman's place. You ever hear you go to any of these places where they're all mansions, but it's a, like a special community?
2: Yeah, I think. Um, Similar, been to like the Yellowstone Club and all that, but I assure yeah. everybody, I'm actually going to be staying at the Spring Hill Suites tomorrow, so uh, not not too glamorous. <laughs>
0: any stalkers who want to know, then they know exactly where you are. Yeah. You got to tell them the day after you leave. Buddy. That's when you post the photos. Indeed. But what, Indeed. are you going up there for work or
2: just a little pleasure? Yeah, so um, in, in a whole other world, I actually own a um, a fragrance business for men and women that we produce out of <laughs> the south of France. And uh, I've owned that for 15 years So uh, the main line is a men's called Moonshine Cologne And uh, we started it sort of as a joke Kind of making fun of Justin Bieber And all the male celebrities uh, that were peddling fragrances And it turned into a real business So we've been doing it for like 15 years So uh, the brand is East-West Bottlers But the most famous one is called Moonshine Cologne
0: does it come in a little jug with an XX on it?
2: It comes uh, kind of in a flask bottle. But my mm-hmm. my other business partner is an attorney we all met in college. So it's got, um, it's got language all over it to make sure that you don't drink it. At least we're not liable if you do.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, good. And, <laughs> yeah. and by the way, yeah, you really do have to think about that stuff. Though. Sure. Yeah, it's like you make something that looks like something you should drink from, and you don't put a warning, you get sued
2: never underestimate the intelligence of the the american public right <laughs>
0: the will to be litigious.
2: <laughs> yeah well what's crazy this is totally off tangent but in the yeah. middle east um yeah. the 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 culture there is the men will actually drink it because of the alcohol um so you actually have to for liability reasons uh do what's called a crimp cap because we have a screw-off atomizer my grandparents Grandfather's fault in World War II, so we had you know kind of the old school splash is how we apply it. But in the Middle East, we actually have to crimp the bottles because of the liability reasons. So there's your uh, your trivia question for the day.
0: These are it's incredible the things you have to think about when you say like, oh, I want to start my own business. So yeah. we're going to jump into your new book soon, but I, sure. I wanted to kind of just get some some foundation stuff, which I thought was interesting because you started really all of this with a lifestyle. Yeah. Right. The Southern gentleman lifestyle.
2: Yeah, I mean, in in some ways, um, you know, I moved to Nashville after going to school at the University of Georgia um, and had a a degree degree in international business and French, mainly because I was trying to always uh, uh, court girls throughout school that were always taking French class. And uh, just that was my way of staying relevant. And um yeah, exactly that's
0: yeah, kind of a, <laughs> a deadline. <laughs>
2: exactly on. indeed. so um, did that and, and played in a band all through all through college. and I was more kind of in the jam band scene. so if you're familiar with Athens, obviously it's the uh, the spawn of REM and, and a bunch of great bands from that from that city and, and we were kind of like the widespread panic version, like seven guys on a stage that was a circus and at that time, my friend was an agent at William Morris and he encouraged me to move to Nashville. Uh, so started writing songs and and really playing more country music, but um, you know the country music that was being played and what was being written really wasn't my for my forte. I was more like a Grateful Dead guy and not like a uh, a bro country guy. So
0: yeah, you could tell from the widespread panic. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. So panic. it was a little more like. Sing for a few minutes, throw out some weird lyrics, and then jam for like an hour. And
0: uh, right, right. obviously, not gonna work for country music. Shrooms. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> not, that's not gonna work. But so, so wait, but you turn this into a very successful, you know, I mean, going from, uh, you know, a show, right? You, you had a Southern Gentleman show, and you turn this into a very successful brand uh, being a chef of grilling. I mean, it's, Can you just tell me how you make that leap?
2: Yeah, I mean, naturally from music to food. So, uh, as I was looking to transition, we would always travel the South and play, you know, Tipitinas in New Orleans. And, and at that, that time, they might have paid us 500 bucks, and I had $500 burning a hole in my pocket. Where the so, food we would stop.
0: Exactly. Did yeah, you ever they live, see them live there?
2: Yeah, they literally live. Um, the bass player, I'm dropping mm-hmm. his name right now, lives a few blocks from me. But um, oh, so God. we would stop on the docks and pick up, you know, 100 pounds of crawfish or shrimp and take it back to Athens and cook for folks. And that's um, where I realized that men have no idea how to cook. Uh, and I was fortunate to grow up in a family where, you know, my father playing baseball, and football would make me, you know, do all that. And then I'd come in and my mom would teach me how to cook. And so that's kind of where I expanded on the idea of um, teaching guys how to cook and wrote a book called A Southern Gentleman's Kitchen, which was a big success. And The idea was just you can become a better man by cooking and sharing food. Um, and I think especially poignant to what we're dealing with right now. I mean, if everybody could just sit down from each other and just share a meal, the idea is that. Uh, we live we're so fortunate to live in this diverse culture, even though we're going through some of the most trying times. I think uh, many of us would agree on on everything if we sat down and had some good food. So turned that into a um, uh, an exposition on barbecue where I hopped in my little 1976 Piper Cherokee and flew all across the south and documented pitmasters, and then just finished cereal griller. So the idea that uh, all is food is made now. better it just Amazon, came out yeah this. yeah and,
0: and i was reading it it's it's incredible because you're not you're giving away some secrets here you're not, <laughs> yeah. you know, i mean like there's some stuff i mean you talk about making these rubs and having to reverse engineer these rubs i mean how do you do that how do you reverse engineer a rub
2: well i'm a i'm a decent bullshitter number one so i love going out on the road <laughs> and uh, yeah, me uh meeting with like <laughs> yeah. people and, and to me like as a writer um i've written two books that are about me and my family and my recipes and my stories but the last two books have been about everybody else and And it really brings me a lot of joy to share other people's stories. So I think creating that level of trust um, to where, hey, look, you know, you've got this unbelievable dry rub. If people cannot come to your restaurant experience, let's give them a version. You may leave off, you know, a quarter teaspoon here or there, but, like, let's give them that experience to enjoy. And, um, you know, it brings recognition to people, especially restaurateurs and chefs right now that are struggling. It kind of shines that light on them. So it's a a ton of fun.
0: Well, let me ask you something. Uh, You know, uh, it's interesting to me. So if you leave off a tablespoon, you know, a quarter teaspoon or whatever of, of this or that, but is the the place, the restaurant, are they still endorsing the rub as like this is based on this rub, but will it just taste a little different? I mean, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say 90% uh pitmasters and grill masters will give me the recipe To to the end, I think the idea of like secret coveted recipes. um, I think everybody's always tried to bottle sauces and rubs, and and we've reached the point where, you know, it's ubiquitous and, and people enjoy sharing. So, usually, if somebody says, Hey, look, you can do it this way, but just tell them it's a, in the head note of the recipe, I'll say, I wasn't able to pry the exact secret. However, I saw them put a little cinnamon in it, and I added that. So it may not be endorsed, but it's it's as close as it can be. So uh, that's also encouraging people to enjoy it at home. But if they want to go taste the real thing, obviously go check out these places and, and restaurant tours.
0: Yeah, that's the greatest thing about it is because it gives you the ability, like me, to, I can you know follow this stuff, and I can you know I'm not a <laughs> I'm a decent <laughs> griller, but I'm not. Yeah. Like, my friend Stuart is a big griller; like he's the 18-hour cool. griller, and so is Jason. Jason, sure. come on for a second here with your with your
1: pork <laughs> grilling. If anyone's grilling pork, let Jason I I talk to you for to a work. second. Yeah, I think got I, got I rested my computer on a three bags of uh frozen peas and a <laughs> bag of ice, and now my computer works. It's weird how that happens.
2: It been
1: great if you said a pork butt, but you know, I just don't think that would be cold enough, it would probably,
0: probably be too quick. Um, so Jason loves to slow cook the pork, and I want to talk about grilling and Fourth of July and meats, but I want Jason to talk a little about pork with you for a second because, yeah, yeah
1: I, well, yeah. So, I for, for my uh birthday, I like to, to, to go and smoke a bunch of meat, and this year, uh, was a little different because I normally have a big barbecue and barbecue hundred, like hundreds of pounds of you know meats. Turkey sure. briskets, but this year three
2: uh,
1: three pork shoulders or three pork butts. Nice, and, and for about yeah about eighteen but. hours. Yeah, that's um
2: eighteen hours. You know the the longest we saw. So that we're kind of the, the the book was called the South's Best Butts. I always tell people it's not a calendar, even though it probably should be. Um, but that was the longest method. There's a guy named um, Skip Steele out of St. Louis he owns Bogart Smokehouse, uh-huh. and he will cook his at 200 degrees for 20 hours, no questions asked. Yeah, um, but if you go to places like uh, Burn Company in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they'll actually quarter the butt. They cut up the butt so they create more surface area, and they'll grill it kind of hot and fast and cook each quarter about four hours. So there's a lot of different approaches that you can take, but low and slow is always what's necessary. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's I mean it, that would be great because you get a lot of different bark on there and stuff. Sure. I think a short way. I mean, with a pork butt for me, it's like that's the easiest thing in the world. Just leave it in there and let it go, and you could you know. If you get it, pull it, it out. In at 18, there. it's going to taste fucking awesome. And if you pull it out at 18, it's going to taste awesome. I'm sorry, you guys are cooks, so you get it. I'm just <laughs> hearing, leave it in there, pull it out, but I can't stop. You guys are used to it. I'm sorry. To you to put juvenile. that pot in there until you get a big poker and you can jam it into the back. Yeah. The juice runs clear, and you know. You got to pull the bone
2: out clean too. You yeah, know, the yeah. bone has to pull clean. So. Yeah, if you can't pull the you guys bone have gone clean through if all if you, this, if you
1: can't pull the bone out clean, just you need to put it back in there. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, and this is what I'm talking about. But this is the way, but you see, no pun intended. He made a um,
0: Matt made a, a grilled cheese pork thing. I saw. You did you do it for Hallmark Channel or something?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. So um, it oh, is a crap. It's a, a stuffed <laughs> oh. grilled cheese sandwich. Oh my god. Um, so essentially, what happens is you take. Pulled pork and then two pieces of American cheese. So, I'm not a food snob. Like, I think American cheese is great on a hamburger. And you put right. the pork in between and you kind of just griddle it together. So, they, the cheese melts over the pork. And uh, man, it it's a
0: brioche it, bun,
2: right? It's, it's, I don't, I, you know, I think it's a hamburger bun. I think it's really oh, it simple. Brioche. Maybe okay. so. Maybe, maybe ah. the food stylist got a little aggressive on it.
1: What do you got, Cheese? <laughs> I was just wondering, you know, we talk about the pork, but, but, Pork, talking about pork butt yeah, it's uh, not getting old to me i know i'm sorry, <laughs> sorry. like what's your like you know because you do a lot of grilling too what's your like like what's your meat that you like to pull out what 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 when you got to pull out your meat i'm <laughs> thinking you're sexual the whole time <laughs> if thing you're you. gonna pull you. out your secret meat and like just impress somebody like you're quick and dirty yeah, what, yeah. what's your go-to
2: Man, my go-to is a pork tenderloin. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, it's just like a super crowd pleaser. Um, it's, it's relatively affordable. Obviously, it's the tenderloin of the pork. So when people are really obsessed with like a filet mignon uh, because of the tenderness, you get that same... Um, uh, tenderness. So like, you know, my wife and I are entertaining all the time. So it, it's just a crowd pleaser. It loves a great marinade. It's super versatile. Most people overcook it too. Like I cook mine to like a medium rare to a medium. Um, and a lot of folks will come over and say like, Oh, I thought you should cook this like all the way through. I've never had pork like this. And I'm like, just try it. And when they do, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, wow, it has way more flavor than a traditional steak. It's super versatile. You can slice it to feed a crowd. So pork tenderloins by all means are a, a once a week rotation in my family.
1: You get people that you actually are you able to explain like you know, pork isn't filled with all the, the diseases that it used to be. It's not the the yeah. right you know. It's not the,
2: the worm that you used to yeah. worry about. And you know, a, a tenderloin in whole, obviously the inside can be cooked up. It's it's where you start to grind meats and you have to worry about food safety and those types of things. So a whole beef tenderloin, a whole pork tenderloin, as long as you're searing that outside and cooking it up to a certain temperature, I wouldn't eat it rare like you would a steak. But uh, getting it to that like one thirty five, one forty is really the the sweet spot for a pork tenderloin.
0: So let me ask you How do you, This is my biggest issue How do you know When it's at 135, 140 Do you have a little <laughs> thing You're sticking in it Like a thermometer So you gets in the middle Or what the hell well,
2: Look that at you Just sticking place. things Into things I mean <laughs> goodness sticking gracious Sticking a thing In the middle of it Let me tell <laughs> so, you, do you I mean I would say this Like we are fortunate now to live in a world where you can buy a digital meat thermometer that will tell you to the temperature uh, super accurately where you are for food safety. So keep it simple, stupid. If you if you have it, why guess when you can buy a ten dollar thermometer that's going to treat you right? Um, but I, I also say uh, for those that are not watching, so like if you were to make like an OK symbol with your hand, right, mm-hmm. and, and then touch kind of this uh, fatty portion mm-hmm. right where your thumb lies. So if you're putting your index finger and your thumb together with no pressure, that's kind of how a raw piece of meat would feel, right? Kind of more um, like a rare piece of meat. And if you put it down the next level, so you come back to your, uh, your next finger, it gets a little tighter, right? And then you go to your ring finger, it's really tight. You go to your pinky, it's absolutely tight. So if you're cooking a piece of chicken, like a chicken breast, pork tenderloin, steak, the idea is as you touch it, it will start to firm up. And obviously there's variances between how a fillet is going to feel or a ribeye or a top sirloin. Cheaper cuts will already start tighter than a, than a more expensive cut. But that's kind of your gauge that you can use a lot when you're cooking. And, you know, I cook with meat thermometers. I don't cook them with them. But I will often feel it first, kind of guess what the, I think the temperature is in my head. And usually with time and experience, uh, you become right on. But uh, I say if you don't cook a lot, go buy a $10 thermometer and, and be, be perfect every time.
0: Yeah, and by go buy, it just means go to your laptop, order one, it'll be here tomorrow. Yeah. And, and what's the te- – like? so for, for you know, uh, food illiterates, right? So what's yeah. the temperature? If we buy the meat thing – and I'm asking this for a reason. Believe me, I have a, sure, a method sure. to my menace what is the temperature we want for pork? You said like 135, 140 in the middle?
2: Yeah, so for like whole cuts of pork, um, like a tenderloin or a pork chop, you're looking for that kind of 135 to 140. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, if you start to deal with like ground pork or something like that, you want to cook it up to at least 165, 170 degrees. And then when you get into barbecue, it's actually a whole different art. So like the pork butt should be cooked up to an internal temperature as slow as possible to about 200 degrees, right? So, you know, one of the cool things about any meat thermometer is you're going to get the FDA uh, rules and guidelines that are out there uh, and they will list that by every single that's going on. So depending on the cut, depending on what's transpiring, they're gonna get that. Yep.
0: Oh, oh, yeah. a big, no,
2: so there? you've got a little uh, three-year-old that oh, go, hey, go tell mommy you want a treat. Tell her you can have whatever you want.
0: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. Daddy says.
2: <laughs> yeah, indeed. Right. Well, that's better than the um, you know, when we started the quarantine, stuck at home, right? Yeah. Uh the first first live show that I did um my wife was out that night and I set up the kids for success I was like here's your movie here's everything here's candy here's ice cream here's pizza just chill out on the couch and And about halfway through the interview I heard a daddy I went poo poo you know (laughs) you have to stop life to actually you know
0: (laughs) this is what I say like my kid's 16 now it's like I don't want to potty train another puppy man (laughs) I really don't I don't want a house I'm good with the kid where he's at the one kid (laughs) aged I, I love it though I gotta tell it makes me crack up. Okay, wait, but you led into my question, which is sure. the method here, which is you talked about the FDA guidelines. So everyone's getting ready, you know, in their mind at least, some kind of Fourth of July celebration, yeah. right? Sure. What do you think about meats coming up and, and the quality of meats? Are we, you know, because that's why I'm asking about temperatures and stuff, because I think people are a little nervous.
2: I, you know, I think um, hopefully we're going to start to settle into a new normal. I mean, what most people are actually really cooking the most right now is seafood, right? So there's an abundance of, of seafood on the market as compared to, you uh, uh, what you're finding with more pork and beef just because of the processing plants that have transpired and people not having access to it. So uh, seafood happens to be one of those dishes that I think gives a lot of people trouble in a grill, whole fish, you know, lobsters, uh, shrimp. So we have a, a really broad array of recipes and, and cooking a whole fish, uh, getting that crispy skin on the grill, the smoke in the jar is is it's really impossible. Simple. Oh, it's actually really yeah. simple
0: okay I yeah. take a Chilean sea bass and yeah. I make a great grilled Chilean sea bass can't do it without tin foil I well, like I put it on there it's like trip shafe gone like
2: <laughs> so tell two me things what I'm doing. all right number one you gotta make sure your grates are clean the grill grates uh-huh. have to be clean you do need a little oil or butter obviously uh, on the fish. Um, and you're probably not preheating your grill, number one. So it's got to be hot. You got to create that conductive heat on the grates so that mm-hmm. what happens, and we talk about this in the book, there's a, a French term called the, the Maillard reaction where the natural enzymes and, and sugars and proteins and vegetables will basically caramelize the idea that brown food is good food. And what happens on a grate is if you cook it at the right temperature and you don't mess with it, right? People put burgers on and a minute later, they're poking it. product. Just let it do its thing. It's not going to burn. Don't touch it. It will lift itself off the grill. But for Chilean sea bass, that happens to be a very tender, like kind of flaky yeah. cut, like a trout, like um, a grouper per se, uh, flounder, sea bass. So what i would suggest is you're cooking in foil but one of the other great things you can do is just buy like a fish basket so the cool thing is, is you can put it into a basket you can put like a lemon or rosemary or whatever you're utilizing and that basket will hold it tight and then you can just put that on the on the grates and what happens is you'll get more of a grilled effect because essentially what you're doing in foil is you're really just steaming the fish right You've got it on foil to where it's really not getting that contact directly with the grill. You're not picking up right. and using it with much flavor. So by putting it in a basket, you can do it that way. Now, firmer cuts like salmon, like tuna, um, swordfish, you can go on the they grill. absolutely are more steaky, and we can do it that way. But a grill basket, again, another $10 solution. Uh, I would say foil is also your best friend grilling. But if you want to impart more of that smoke and char, just yes. pick up a grill basket and do it that way.
0: Okay, so what do you recommend for Fourth of July? What's your biggest, like, what should someone cook if they're having a bar, you know, a social distancing barbecue? <laughs> you know,
2: yeah, you know, I've been um, I've been loving a lot of different recipes that we've been doing. Um, there's a whole section in the book that's called Hot Handhelds. Go see your mom, please. Please, yes, I don't good. know how you got just up here.
0: Gonna oh, it's okay. What are you eating? <laughs> what, are you <laughs> what are you eating tonight? Barbecue sandwich.
2: Okay, okay. You want treats? <laughs> you want to jump on? What do you like to eat? So um, <laughs> we'll just add this one to the, hey, to the hey, narrative. Sweetie.
0: How you doing? What's your name? <laughs>
2: What's your name? What's your name? Everly.
0: Okay. Oh, Everly, you're adorable. Okay. <laughs> so, Everly sitting in so, dad's lap. Eating there, it's <laughs> fantastic. Uh, so my
2: gorgeous. wife has no idea that she's up here. I told her I was like, "Hey, I need thirty minutes. Let's do this." But uh, you're yeah, going to nope. join in. So we have. Um, <laughs>
0: so your dad's telling us some good stuff. Right totally. Here,
2: good. Uh, classic. Classic Americana food: burgers, ribs, dogs. Right. That's all in the book. But one of my favorite recipes that we actually could revisit that pork tenderloin is a, a grilled pork gyro. Right. So uh, remember that famous, too, right? Yeah. That skit with uh, Jimmy Fallon, my buddy, Luke Bryan, where they did the gyro gyro or hero. <laughs> they could, you know, Luke couldn't say it. Um, I don't know what it is. It's gyro, right? <laughs> it's gyro. It's silly oh, yeah, gyro. Right? But you take okay, pork good. and you cube it and you marinate it in a little bit of yogurt and you skewer it, kind of get that, that vertical char on all the pork on the outside. You slice it super thin and nice, uh, a grilled pita. So it's sort of kind of that, like that classic we all crave of like a handheld, you know, a burger or a hot dog, but it's a flavor that we often pick up from restaurants. We do that with like a, a po'boy sandwich. So I'm, I'm from the South. So we do like a roast beef po'boy that we do in French bread with like a, a remoulade and uh, tomato and lettuce and all those different ingredients. So it's just, to me, I'm always thinking about the classics. We have triple cheeseburgers, we have hot dogs, we have bratwurst, we have all those dishes, but I'm kind of thinking outside the box a little bit as to what we can do on that special holiday
0: well, I think it's also fantastic, and I want you to describe a little of this for people who don't know your book, because they're going to buy it now. Yeah. Well, it so maybe, Everly, maybe, I feel that way a lot of the time. No, they're <laughs> definitely, you know, you know, Evelyn. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of times people are going to buy because they want to know what to cook and how to cook it with. And you do a Middle Eastern thing with because of your uh, lineage, right? So you yeah, Middle so- Eastern sort of influence with a lot of things you do.
2: Yeah, my, my mother is um, French-Lebanese, so, um, and my grandfather on that side of the family was a butcher, too. So we grew up uh, where my grandmother, of course, still uh, is no longer with us, but she made the best fried chicken, and I gave away that recipe in a Southern Gentleman's Kitchen which is more technique-driven than anything else, right? Cast iron cooking, very simple. I guess she's just going to join the whole interview here. I'll, yeah, yeah, really I'll negotiate like that with my wife later. But, um, <laughs> you know, we do. Um, we have a lot of different influences. So one of the cool places in my neighborhood is called Greco, which mm-hmm. is um, kind of a street food, Athenian style. So they actually will take, uh, and Jason, if you've done this with, like, the pork shoulder, they will actually take that kind of fatty, tough cut, but they'll, they'll skewer it very finely and cook it super hot and fast to make, like, a pork slovakie. So it's got a ton of flavor. It's got a lot of fat. Gets a nice char to it. Um, at the same time, we also visit my friend Michael Solomonoff up at Zahav in Philadelphia. So Zahav was Zahav, Zahav, which translates in is in, in Hebrew to gold, and it was rated the number one restaurant in America. He was the James Beard Outstanding Chef in America. And, oh, wow. and that being said, it's Israeli Middle Eastern cuisine that he's cooking up to uh, just perfection, and you know for me to be able to interview a chef like, like that, Michael, right. who has really reached the top of his craft. Um, yeah. And at the same time, we go and visit uh, Ashley Christensen and Raleigh, who is uh, also a James Beard Outstanding Chef. Hey, go tell mommy you're going to get a treat. Whatever. She didn't say no. Okay, tell her that I'm, I'm working. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! I mean, this you, is the new you, This I really is kind of stuck yeah, at, at home, right? <laughs> no, no one. Let
0: me tell you something. You are not the first guest that has had a kid. David Arquette's kid. I can't count yeah. the kids. Zach <laughs>
1: Gallon's kids. How many kids have come up? I love no, it. I actually feel, love and, it. And to be honest, like the reason I stay off the screen most of the time isn't to give you guys more visual space. It's because I'm also screaming <laughs> the entire time, and it, Cliff has to get rid of me. He's like, just go talk to your mom. Tell yeah, her you're yeah, fine. Talk to Steph. Uh, tell everyone <laughs> what's going on. Get no one.
0: All right.
2: <laughs> so, anyway. so, yeah, I mean, a yeah, lot of H. Middle Eastern influence when it comes to that. And uh, for me, like kind of going back to that idea of diversity, like with the barbecue book, you know, there's different regions. There's different rubs and sauces, cereal cereal but in thriller, cereal, that was in South's best butts. Right. Um, OK, great. But in, in grilling, essentially, everybody comes from somewhere else. Right. In the United States, we come from this melting pot of cultures. But the one cool thing is that throughout the world. One commonality that we have is that everybody cooks over a live fire. If you're in Argentina, you're in uh, Iran, you're in uh, Southeast Asia, everybody cooks over fire. And so that's the cool thing is that you can travel this country and pick up from men, women, doesn't matter your race, your creed, your religion, uh, we all celebrate the fact that our food is made better over fire. And that was really my job in this book to showcase this broad range of cuisines uh, so that people could pick it up and say, Hey, I want to get my classic rib or burger. But at the same time, I've never cooked a, an octopus souvlaki or a um, a rabbit tail or a salad or a piece of grilled watermelon on this, on, on the grill. So it's a uh,
0: watermelon. Oh man.
2: In oh God. It's amazing. Yeah. So it's actually served as a dessert where you, mm. you just cook it over direct heat. Uh, Watermelon's right now in season just hot and fast direct heat to get that char still remains cool in the center. And then we dollop it with a little bit of a vanilla Greek yogurt, some crystallized ginger, some pistachio, but you could do the same thing with like a watermelon that you want to grill, chop it up, serve it with some feta and fresh mint kind of for like a watermelon salad. So fruits in general, like peaches and pears and yeah. apples and watermelon and pineapple, one of the most simple desserts um, again, that is made better through that Maillard reaction of browning it, uh, actually over the grill and the grates.
0: So what I've learned is I have to clean my grill first.
2: Yeah. Definitely.
0: I'm not accumulating flavors. All right, listen, <laughs> Matt, so tell first of all, about your book, the newest book, right? Which sure. is Serial Griller. And we can it. find it on Amazon, right? And and just give us a little description of, you know, what it is so people who don't know can now know.
2: Yeah. So Serial Griller, it's um Grill Master Secrets for Flame Cook Perfection. Uh, I'm a big title guy, if you haven't already noticed, from uh, South's Best Butts and Southern Gentleman's Kitchen and Cereal Griller. Uh, We are not grilling cereal. I got that question the other day. But there is sort of utility to it. It's like the idea that no matter the course of the meal, we can make it better over fire. So the cool part about my cookbooks, especially the last two, is we travel 10,000 miles we interviewed 12 different chefs, two are the last James Beard Outstanding Chefs in America, uh, some up-and-coming uh, fantastic chefs, to backyard pros and folks that you need to learn about. We tell their stories, we glean their recipes. You kind of come with me in the right seat of the plane and go on this adventure. And then we round it out with another 125 kind of what we call killer recipes for the grill. So from starters to salads to sides to mains to desserts, even a grilled donut ice cream sandwich – Uh, And you're right. You can pick it up online. And I also say support your local bookstores. A lot of bookstores are doing really cool stuff right now where you can just pull up contactless delivery. They bring it out to you. They're hosting live events in virtual settings, uh, having a cocktail like I've done today. So, um, yeah, support those folks as well. So, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic all-around grilling book that I think will share a lot of stories and inspiration as well.
0: And, by the way, the pictures are tremendous.
2: Yeah, I'm fortunate. um, Andrea Behrens uh, is the photographer who did the book, and she's done the last two books with me. We're kind of like a brother and sister. I think she thinks I'm crazy, but uh, she gets in the plane with me. She comes on the road, and she she truthfully is a – is a rock musician. Like she shoots like Kings of Leon and those guys here in Nashville. But somehow I always convince her to spend three months of her life with me uh, shooting food. And uh, I'm super blessed because she makes me look way cooler than I am. And uh, she makes the food look as good as it, as it can without smelling it and eating it.
0: <laughs> yeah, after meeting you, I definitely agree. She makes you look way cool. No, you're a very cool guy. Your recipes are amazing. I can't wait to try some of these this fourth. Jason, you got anything? Where, Matt, where can we find you? Sorry, Jason, I'm cutting off again. I know I'm doing it.
2: <laughs> no it's easy um i'm not matt moore the dolphins quarterback or there's a bunch of other ones so it's just mattr is my website and instagram is just matt r moore um so pretty straightforward
1: jason smith uh well i had one last uh important grilling question good shellfish lobster specifically grilling i uh i don't do a lot of that kind of grilling and yeah any tips, any quick and dirty tips for, for, for doneness on that? Cause that's the big worry I have with, you know, grilling a lobster as opposed to boiling it is I don't know when it's done. I don't really know how that temperature works with the, uh, with the, uh, with, with something as uh, light as that.
2: Yeah. So, um, Cool thing, I do the biggest country music festival in Prince, Prince Edward Island, Canada. It's the only gig I play every year, uh, and we cook a uh, thousand lobsters a day. And I always take about ten and then throw a big party back at the house. And we always grill them. So, um, you know, I do think humanely, you can you can take your chef's knife and just pierce right through the through the head and then put it on the grill. The idea is to uh, to cook it until essentially what will happen, especially over high heat, is some of the juices will start to permeate the claw. And that's when you know you've really got that 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 cooked perfection. The shell will turn. But I'll tell you, Jason, we have a recipe from a place called Brasa, which is in Metairie, Louisiana, outside New Orleans. There's a chef there called Edgar Caro, and he actually wraps the lobster in in kombu, like a it's a kind of a, a seaweed of sorts. And so he wraps it in that, puts it on the grill, so it sort of starts to steam. And then he takes the kombu off, and then he grills it to get the char on the outside. And you actually eat the kombu and the lobster. So it's like this bitter note with the sweet lobster. So that recipe is in there, and we've spelled out the time exactly for you. A large lobster, like three pounds, uh, fantastic. And there's some really great photos on that. That guy's a character. We drank like 12. He's from uh, Colombia, so we drank like 12 a apiece and ate that uh, one afternoon. It was fantastic.
1: That sounds amazing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so buy his book cereal yeah. griller and all his other two books and look him up if you don't know him if you do know him just keep following him uh, you can't get better
1: recipes all right matt more yeah. all right guys real quick just because i want yeah. to let you know because uh kenyan tanvers yeah, kenyan tanver Tomber, just a uh he was i think he's a big fan he gave you multiple hearts
2: all right, all right. thank I you know,
1: how are you heart matt i just didn't want to i didn't want to not let you know that uh
2: yeah is, is oh, i think hosting. we got like maybe two hearts oh, i see we got we got hearts that We've are all around so. <laughs> all right
1: a bunch of i just have
0: been ignoring the comments that keep coming in but people <laughs> love you matt so this is great it's good awesome. it works out well for
1: us
2: well um, next time i'm in uh la i want to be invited to that barbecue you will be uh-huh. and i'll, I'll, I'll oh,
1: have man. another one you know my birthday kind of got canceled this year so what when you come into town is when i'm celebrating my birthday
2: all right let's oh, yeah. do it i'll make that yeah. i'll make that stuffed grilled cheese right
1: yeah. sounds perfect brother
2: Cheers,
0: guys. All right, yes, cheers, very Matt. nice. Thank you, Mel. Matt. Matt. Right. Matt Moore. I did a double Matt. clap. So Matt Moore. great guy. Love this kid. I see this very nice. I like these that things. Nice. Awesome. I learned
1: got, a bunch. Got some good tips. Yes. Very awesome. Great. Excited. Now now I'm gonna that that whole uh, pork gyro uh yep. sounds amazing. It's amazing. you talking about with the pita? Yeah, the the yeah, exactly. Holy crap. With it, you dip it in, what did you say? In sour cream? Uh no, uh yogurt. Yogurt, yogurt. You're doing it Greek style, basically, so, or yes. Mediterranean style. So you put it in a yogurt, in a yogurt mix, uh, and then you get it nice and hot. And I think you just you sh- shave that thing real, real small. And it sounds. Well, amazing. we have the book. It's in the book, right? i um, yeah. I'm I'm I am. This is my my thing to you. I'm going to be cooking out of the grill book for the next next few few grills, and I'll I'll let you know how it goes. I'll uh, I'll show it off. Oh, perfect.
0: That's great because I'm gonna cook out of the grill
1: book for a fourth. Awesome. Awesome. We'll, we'll share some stuff.
0: Yes. Maybe we could have a
1: cookout version of this where we're actually in the same place. I mean, by the 4th of July, I don't see any reason we can't. Hell no. Uh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right, say so, that with my wife before I make any uh, real commitments to that. Right, well, Anybody who knows my wife, wife, please right? do not tell her I just agreed to something that I haven't asked permission well, for. you didn't agree. You didn't agree, first I of all. Did. And of even course. when you
0: agree, I, yeah. I never take it as like a thing until I know that Steph is like signed off on it.
1: I agree with it. We're doing it. Just don't tell her until I tell right.
0: her. <laughs> right. and, then, and then see if she agrees, and then we'll see if we're doing it. Yeah. Right. That, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. All right. So
1: let like let's that. talk that about good. Dirty John. I'm the Betty Broderick story. How's that sound? Okay,
0: I, I, I honestly, I can't wait to talk about it. Um, right, I'm so glad I recommended this as
1: our first watch together. I, I loved it. All right, well, let's let's hear what you let, think. Yeah, let, for, let, well, let's go back. So, just to kind of okay. give everybody a little bit of thing, we've uh, we've decided we're gonna we're gonna all watch a show together. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the whole uh, stuck at home family, everybody there is welcome to listen, watch along. Uh, the Dirty John, the Betty Broderick story is a true crime show appearing, I believe, on the USA Network. It's the second season of an anthology show that's called Dirty John, even though Dirty John was actually the name of the title of the first series that actually had a guy named John in it. but Right, based it, on the podcast. Yeah, now it's a brand. Um, right. I did not read about this story, and I did not look into the Betty Broderick story before Same. I watched this because Same. I want to just enjoy the show and not – you know, be critical about what's right and what's wrong. Um, so anybody who does know how this all goes, um, you could spoil it for me because it's in the news, but in general, I the, the basics of this show is uh, this woman has been, is, is kind of flashing back through a story where she's in court or she's in, in uh, she's in an interrogation room telling the story of what happened. Um, and then we go through flashbacks in these first two episodes about her life, with is her, starts it opens with her starts? It opens with her in the interrogation room? It, it, there's, a, there is a, uh, there's a scene kind of in the interrogation room, and then it goes straight to the house where she shows up at the house, tries to, uh, like, leave the gas can inside, and, uh, and, and then gets kind of trapped at the car. So maybe it starts there and then goes into the interrogation room.
0: Right. Okay. And then you're talking about the first episode.
1: First episode.
0: Yeah. And at first, I thought the structure. Now, I, I don't know. I'm the person who's ta- walking into this who has not seen the first season, never listened to the podcast. So I don't know if this structure they're using is something. So, what is Nancy saying? Nancy saying, didn't know anything about it. All right. So, Nancy and I are the same. And same with you, right? Yep, Chase, you yep. didn't listen to the first one and you don't know the podcast. Nope.
1: No, it's not okay. my thing.
0: So I was wondering when I was watching it, uh, especially in the second episode, which we'll jump to in a second, if this structure they're following is something mm-hmm. they use structurally in the podcast.
1: Well, it feels very much like a podcast style of mm-hmm. description. You know, I can't really say speak for the the original Dirty John. I'd have to ask my wife about it, but then she'd spoil everything for me. Uh, but it's very similar to how serial and all these other shows. it's like give us a, enough information to give me something to the sustenance or the the substance of that episode, and then leave me on some cliffhanger so we can explore that in the next hour and it felt right. very they did that like, well, yeah, and it felt very much like that in both episodes, you know, and it it digs into different things. So the first episode is kind of clearing the plate that she's done something. We don't aren't one hundred percent sure what we know she's been in a mental institution. We know that she's had some issues with her husband, but in all intents and purpose, in that first episode, we don't know much more than that. And then the second episode flashes back to her life meeting him, um, up until, right. you know, up through, you know, the, the births and the and some weird shit and, uh, and and ends kinda in that 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 second cliffhanger where they reveal that she shot her husband and her husband's new wife. And yeah,
0: so that's that's where I thought. I mean, listen, I was in after the first episode, after the end of the second episode, how they're in the courtroom and they're talking about the number of bullets. And oh, yeah. like, we found, yeah, we found four bullets and like, you didn't find the fifth bullet and the detectives on that. He's like, no, we, we ultimately found the fifth bullet later at the morgue when they turned the deceased's body over the wife and they found the bullet on the other side of her body. And I'm like, oh, she killed both of them.
1: Yep. Oh, like, yeah. And you're
0: like, oh, fuck. Okay. So let's talk about Amanda Peet. She's uh, gotta, amazing. Uh, she found this line. And I am not an Amanda Peet fan per se. There's things I like her in. You know, she's obviously a great actor, but yeah. she 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 runs a little hot for me. You know, she runs a little big for me. But what she found in this, I feel like it's the perfect perfect mix of, you know, high you know, a uh, raised world, elevated world and grounded emotions. And because the the relationship, I, okay, here's the thing. Do you like the flashback stuff? I'm usually not a fan of that. Especially, you know, because you know it's not Christian Slater and Amanda Pete and people don't look that different.
1: Nope I am normally not a big fan of the flashback stuff. And as soon as I saw it, I was ready to dismiss that stuff. Me but too. first there are two things. One, the guy doing the Christian Slater and oh is on point to look the that point guy for me, Jace. Where I on. thought it was actually him oh doing God. uh, uh the, the just being the actor, and Christian Slater was actually adr like, overdubbing the voice, because it sounded I mean, maybe so... Maybe he was, right? I mean, Dirty John, Betty, right, Betty,
0: right? Yeah, Betty, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't mind doing it. I'm always asking you to do it, right? Oh, yeah, no, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, so that guy, I gotta say, he was incredible. The woman who played the young Amanda P was really good. Um, yeah. Not as good as the guy. Right, but, but he, maybe maybe he maybe she was, maybe she was. I mean, here's the thing. usually I'm pulled out of that right away, because you know, if you look at a picture of me from thirty years ago, it looks like me, yeah, you know I, I mean i I'm a little exception to the rule because I look exactly the same, minus like a few of these wrinkles. that's it, <laughs> so I don't know, I think I'm an alien, I have no idea, I have a weird I think they cut my tail off when I was adopted, okay, so. <laughs> Let me let me move on. But what I find is that people look at, So I really get pulled out of that stuff. I don't know what it was. I got sucked right in. This guy, like you said, did you find his name or am I doing that stuff? I'm, I'm still
1: looking it, right? for it. It's uh, it's a little bit trickier this time for some no, reason. No,
0: no, no, no. It's not. I have it. It's right here. Cast. All right. So I'm looking at it. So we got Amanda, Pete. Uh, oh, Chris Mason. I think that's the guy. Chris Mason. i I'm, I'm feeling like it is. Yeah, Chris Mason.
1: Yeah, that looks like that looks like him. Yep. There you go.
0: Yep. Chris Mason. So this guy, if you don't know who he is, which I didn't Oh, he's from he was in Pretty Little Liars and Broadchurch. Oh, is he English? I wouldn't be surprised. Aren't they all English now? I can't yeah. believe it. So American actors in a movie, in yeah. a show. But I thought they did a job. Okay, so here's my other question, which has to do with structure. Is this the structure the podcast take? I don't know, uh, because it was weird. They jumped back and forth to Amanda Pete being the girl, even in flashbacks, mm-hmm. and the other
1: girl being the girl, which I kind of found interesting. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, I mean, because I think they aged her through. I mean, they did a really good job with it. I mean, they did. An interesting story with that, because, and, and Nancy really. Puts it in there like without that background and a- actually seeing kind of how he treated her and what that that was there it would really so, lo- lessen the impact of what was going on. I mean, yeah, it has to set the story, as
0: Nancy's saying, of why she did what she did. Right. right? But here's the thing. OK, um, what I'm wondering, just as a storyteller, is that's her side of the story. Yeah. Now do we get to see Christian Slater's flashback? You know, uh, of how he thinks this all went down, because yep. somewhere in between lies the truth, right? We never really know the truth to this stuff.
1: Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see because it's definitely called the Betty Broderick story. So I'm wondering if this is going to be a little bit more leaning onto that side, and it's kind of that exploration of the person who did it. Right. Um, you know, and that's that's a you know that's also the you know probably part of this. But I am curious to see how this goes. The next episode's ready. I think we can we did, oh, we'll, is? we can review that one next. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's you mean it's out? Oh, I'm excited.
1: I, I think does. it is is it tonight I think it's tonight yeah.
0: oh that's exciting see and that's and ending it and also I have to say not knowing anything about the case
1: is the best way to watch this oh yeah yeah because you did. can always go back and get more information and you know even just looking up little things uh, uh, i I think that, that, that it's just gonna it's gonna open it up and there's gonna be a lot more pieces I mean you could tell this story on a on one episode of Nightline. Or you could break it into 10 episodes. So I'm hoping that they really do explore all facets of it. You know, I'm really interested how the kids see it because the kids play a big role in this and are a big part of it. And they were siding with with, uh, Slater when
0: the mom was coming over. They were like, Mom, you got to leave. You can't be here. You know, like they're not, you know, they know
1: she's nuts. Oh, my goodness. She does such a good job. She's almost unrecognizable, you know, because the last thing I've watched, she's in Brockmire. So the last thing I've seen her in is Brockmire and she comes back. So sexy, by the way, in Brockmire. And she right? comes back and, and she, plays, yeah, she, she plays older Amanda Pete. You haven't even seen the new season yet, but she plays like a future Amanda oh, And seen. she looks cute. She looks amazing. with like, like when they age her up, she looks great. Well, what you're saying is a very
0: important point to bring up uh, twofold. First thing is, I agree with what Nancy said. If her side of the story is the mind games he played, I understand. They, they make a very good case as to someone could snap from that, right? Yep. Um, so the other side uh, was that. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. We've never really seen Amanda P. Uh, what she's doing, such a tremendous job at from a male perspective uh or anyone who would be attracted to amanda pete i've yet to see her in a role where she actually unsexied herself where you feel like oh i see why this guy maybe she he feels he's out of love with her and not attracted to her and then you have to remember it's amanda pete it's hard to not be attracted to amanda pete if you have any sense of attraction to anything
1: yeah absolutely Absolutely. So she's doing a tremendous, tremendous she's doing a great job. job. She, you know, Holy and crap. Christian Slater hasn't had to do a lot of heavy lifting, but he's doing a, you know, he's doing no, his thing. He's complimenting it just
0: fine, and he's yeah. so cold.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he looks and, like he loves his kids. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that it plays. It feels like he's being cold, and at the same time, he's also just trying to separate from it. You know, in the future. But the, you know, and then you go back into the past, and past Christian Slater, you know, is like very, very cold, and very much like this is my journey and it feels very much like the you know i don't want to bring anything in but like that kind of that mentality of that the 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 no you know no birth control but also we're going to have the baby even though it's de- dangerous for for yeah. her to have and not right. want there was you know there's there a lot of
0: that fanatic kind of,
1: yeah you know, exactly. religious fanaticism to like an underscore of it yeah and 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 losing the you know there was the loss of the baby and the miscarriage but that he seemed to be like well let's just keep going through it and not recognizing all that stuff just just the way that played in it wasn't subtle but it also wasn't overt um it was just really affecting Well, it's what Nancy posted
0: which she said that uh, it would make any
1: woman you know yeah. speaking
0: as a woman it would make anyone go nuts especially you know, like the miscarriages and the and the what the late term pregnancy and yeah. she didn't get to see the baby either i mean that's some yeah, you know, and I mean, she supported him through deep stuff,
1: through two basically two doctorates, right? Like through the doctor, and then going back and getting his law degree. Yeah,
0: It's to Harvard. After he's like, I don't want to be a doctor. Sorry, I'm not doing it. I'm quitting. And she's like, but I just and it's and, and they made it like light of it. That's that's four to six years. He's not making any money.
1: You know, and I didn't. I missed this. I I must have not been looking um, when she he said that the court date was changed and it wasn't. I missed that part. Did he do that? Like, I, I didn't see that. Nancy, I didn't think he said that. Nancy, do you know Nancy's been posting for people? Yeah, she not, said uh, to he told it. her the court date was changed, but it wasn't, and she didn't show up, and then that's how he got the full custody. But I didn't I didn't hear that part. I must have missed something where he told her, which is. Yeah,
0: I didn't get that either. That would be really screwed up, man. I mean, I'm not saying, look, the things you see in divorces are, you know, they, they feel like, it, it, like, like war, like literally yeah. you're in the trenches and people are trying to kill each other.
1: But uh, there's also some reality in there when he she's calling him like not wanting to get divorced and like trying to have like jokey conversations. You know, I not to get too personal into it cuz it's not all my story to say, but you know, I feel like when my parents were first got divorced, you know, they tried to there were some times where I felt like they were trying to get along and they could for like really brief moments, maybe a quick phone call here and there, but that struck real genuine to me, like people that are like we're separating but we're also trying to, you know, maintain some sort of not normalcy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you saw it also. I mean, like he did. The problem was, and, and this is the interesting thing from a male perspective. He was trying to be nice, like go away for the week. You know, you were tired even after she ran the car into the house, which is psychotic. I mean, her kids are in there. What if that fucking car went through the, you know, I mean, yeah. she could have killed her kids. So right there, how she wasn't. But he pulled strings. Right. So he obviously is very powerful.
1: Yeah. And he manipulated some things too somewhere. Right.
0: Well, he we got her locked up, which which we have to say, you know, we got her locked up in a psych hold, which is an important fact to note because I'm positive that's coming back because now he's setting a precedent, you know, for her to basically kill him and get away with it with insanity. She's yeah. already been committed once.
1: Could you imagine being like, I'm just thinking like if I got put in a cop car and uh, and my daughter Whew. was... Uh, that face. Yeah, and I, well, like, and just getting put into the, like, she's actually being put into a, a, a straitjacket right there and just being put into the back of the car. I couldn't imagine being in front of my kids. That must have broke her heart.
0: Yeah, but then, like, the, the daughter's looking at her, and Amanda Peet from the backseat makes that face like, like, that's a crazy thing. Like, I'm sorry. Something normal. Like, making that face just blew my mind. So, yeah, she's saying, Nancy's saying it was in the first episode when they were in court, and he was joking with the judge. Okay, I She's having a drink with a friend and her friend was like if you need to go just in case. Oh yeah, I remember all that. So she isn't coming. But I thought that okay, so here's what I'm going
1: to say. When she was at the drink with her friend, I thought her friend was saying how are you here and not going to the court case. Yeah, that's what I missed too. Yeah. Cuz I seemed like she was trying to be, like trying to avoid it so that the divorce didn't happen. At least that's what I was impressioning, yeah. but I'll I'll rewatch cuz that's a that's an insight that I didn't notice. That's a good that's a good one, Nancy. Yep.
0: So, you know, look, I, if you're not watching this, please come and join us in, in watching this because we're going to get to go through it now week by week. And um, I, I got to say, I'm very, I'm very yeah,
1: excited. I'll, I'll even think of some theme. I'm going to find some music, some Dirty John uh, entry, like lo- theme music. So we could have this as part of our section. So
0: I like this. So I just want to jump back to the other time because there's nothing really like if I go through, OK, what are we watching? I'm going to ask you a question. Did you see this on Amazon? There's Valley Girl, the
1: musical. Yes, I saw it. it was there? On? I am afraid to watch it. Um, it I mean, can't Valley be. Girl is one of my favorite movies. Right. With... Jerry uh Foreman, Nick
0: Cage. I mean, you know, uh, this, my, is, uh, this is a my great very, My
1: classic. very close friend and uh, former uh, Starburns Audio podcaster, Moon Unit, Zappa.
0: Ah. You see, I, so, so it's very hard for me. It's, so, and it's a musical.
1: Yes. Right? It feels... You know, I've I've read some baseline reviews to kind of just justify me not watching it. It says it's very much like a it loses all the thing. It's it's a fun, light thing, but it doesn't really tie back to the old show. I'm I'm really nervous about that one. I don't think it's something that I'm gonna be able to just jump into and expect to enjoy. But maybe maybe it'd be a good drinking game. Like I'll drink every time that it just completely jumps the shark, I'll just (laughs) drink
0: that's actually not a bad idea did you ever watch i feel like it's the same you ever watch the they they, they did the remake musical of the rocky horror picture show
1: oh yeah I, I remember that i did see that and that was just yeah it was just unfortunate but yes what i do remember what i'm that.
0: saying you're taking a lot of these movies oh victoria justice was the lead in that by the way I <laughs> yeah i think she was janet which you know would almost make it worth watching the the, the bigger thing is that I, I feel like these movies aren't Built for that. They're not the kitschiness you think you're. You're getting into. You're no. losing. You're losing the the gravitas of the
1: film. That was about acceptance and belonging. It, it's yeah. not a musical. The only one I think, and, and I'm going to end on this, so I can just be yeah. right and end the show, uh, <laughs> is that John Waters one um about the the Ricky Lake. Uh What was that? Serial uh, Moms. No, no, the one with Rick, the dancing one, where Ricky Lake's the dancer and they. Oh. They, oh. Because I know when we
0: were talking to Stephen Dorff, you came up with this John Waters musical idea, which was brilliant. That's one that works.
1: Uh, um, John uh, Waters. Let's see. Ricky Lake. What was the name of that one? Uh, Not Cry Baby. That's John. Oh, Hairspray.
0: Hairspray. Hairspray. Oh, yeah. They
1: did the musical on that. You're right. Uh, He he did a musical and they did a re-release of the movie and they kept it close enough. But it was just weird enough that, you know, instead of Divine that it was, it was still, that was the only one I can think of that, that actually was that kind of kitschy that managed to make it over and that I'm okay with. Because John Waters is kitsch.
0: Yes. You're absolutely right. So thank you for being here today, uh, joining us, talking with Matt Moore and everyone out there. We will be back for another episode. We will see you then, stuck at home. And stay safe. Stay strong. Stay sane. Jason Smith.
1: Take care of each other. I love y'all.
0: See you tomorrow. Bye, Bye. We'll Chris
1: Bye, everybody.
0: All right, have a good one. See you next episode.
1: People love the
2: world a podcast network.